Oh, come on. Good morning, church. Everybody feel good today. Come on. Anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord? Make some noise. what I'm talking about. Hey, I know we've greeted you a few times, but we want to take the opportunity and do that again. And then we also want to look, and I love doing this, at the cameras in the back of the room and say a great big hello to our extended church family. As many of you know, we are one church in two locations, and so that means we have our South Metro family here and then 700 miles north of here in Germantown, Maryland, which, by the way, Germantown is only about a half hour's drive outside of our nation's capital. And we have our extended church family that's go church there, worshiping together. Come on, can you love on them all the way from South Metro? Yeah, make some noise. Thanks for tuning in with us today. And then, of course, all of those that are watching online, perhaps you're traveling this weekend or maybe you're homesick. Uh, we, we welcome you. Thanks for tuning in with us. We pray that, that this message is a blessing for you. And then we always love to give honor to the brave military men and women that are serving, protecting our freedoms and our borders. Come on. Can we honor them? We love you so much. Whoever you are, wherever you are, thanks for tuning in online today. We believe that God has a great word for you. So many of you know that we are journeying through the book of Ephesians. There are six chapters in this book, and so we're taking six weeks to look at each chapter within the book. Uh, today we're in week number four, so we're going to look at chapter number four. But before we do that, I want to let you know that at the end of this series, we'll, we'll kick off a brand new series, and we're calling that one Ask Away. Ask Away. It's one of my favorite series that we'll do together because this is going to be the content of, of this particular series will be driven by all of you. And so you get to submit questions. There, there really is no question that is off limits. Um, of course, we'll, we'll walk through those questions and try to categorize them for each week in this series. But you can submit questions about life, about faith, about the Bible, about your boyfriend, come on, about your job, about parenting, about health. Uh, anything you can think of, you can submit those questions. And so what we've done is we've created a website specifically for this series. It's www.askawayseries.com. So make sure that you write that down because here you can submit all of those questions anonymously. And so that way we don't know where they come from or who they come from. That gives you a little bit more freedom and liberty to submit some questions that might have some difficulty admitting that that question was submitted by you. So at askawayseries.com, you can submit all of your questions for the series anonymously. Now, one thing about this website is that it goes live on Wednesday of this week. So you got a few days to think through and prep for your questions. And then on Wednesday, you can jump on at askawayseries.com and submit your questions for that upcoming series. But it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. But for today, anybody ready for the word today? Come on, let's jump into today. And so again, we're, we're looking at the book of Ephesians. We're in week number four. So specifically looking at chapter number four. Let, let me do my best to kind of give you a little bit of a recap as to what we've learned to date. Uh, all of those that have shared each week in this series, it's just been powerful and insightful and life-changing. So time wouldn't permit for me to cover all of the previous weeks. But here's a little bit of history of Paul and Ephesus and how this particular book of Ephesians came about. We know that in this, this day and time, in this particular culture, the city of Ephesus was a massive commercial city. A lot of things came in the city and a lot of things went out of the city. It was also known to be the home of 
uh, where the, the Greek and Roman gods or goddesses would live. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I told you to read Acts chapter 19 because you see the goddess Artemis, also known as the goddess of Diana. They built a shrine or a temple, and so these people would often go and they would worship the, this particular idol. Well, there was a guy by the name of Paul who had a pretty radical encounter with Jesus himself, with God himself, and uh, his life was forever changed. The trajectory of Paul was forever, forever different and transformed. And so the apostle Paul went to Ephesus. And for two years, Paul had a very effective missionary presence in the city of Ephesus. And he preached Jesus. How many of you know that's pretty good to preach right there? Jesus is enough. He preached Jesus. And because of the preaching of the truth from the word of God, we know that many people accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Well, after Paul left Ephesus, uh, history tells us that Paul was arrested. And you, you probably know this, but Paul was arrested a few times. But one time in particular, Paul was arrested by, by the Roman government. He was thrown into a Roman prison. He was chained to a Roman guard. And there, during that imprisonment, Paul wrote a letter. And he wrote a letter back to his friends in the city of Ephesus, and if you own a Bible, if you own a Bible, say, I got one. If you don't own a Bible, stop by our next steps counter. We're going to help you get one. But if you own a Bible, then you have a copy of this letter in your hand. And it's called the book of Ephesians. So Paul's in this prison and he writes this beautiful letter back to his friends in Ephesus. And when you look at all six chapters of the book of Ephesians, it creates for us this overwhelming driving thought. And we've talked about this each week in this series, but here's the thought, and the thought is this. Paul is saying this. In Christ, his story, the story of Jesus, it reshapes our story. That's a great place to say amen right there. Because no matter what your past looks like, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter what issues that you're battling up against today, when you find yourself in Christ, the story of Jesus will reshape our story. And all through the book of Ephesians, Paul is saying that. Paul is saying, look, in Christ, in Christ, everything changes. And, and we, we come to the conclusion of this driving thought because of the movement throughout all six of those chapters. And every chapter, there's such a beautiful movement. I mean, even, even in the first three chapters, because Ephesians is really divided into two uh, different distinct parts. And in the first three chapters, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, uh, Paul starts out with almost this beautiful Jewish-style poem. And in chapter 1, 2, and 3, Paul is just simply preaching the gospel. Paul is preaching the good news. And let me just tell you this. You only need good news if there's bad news. And so he's telling them, he's like, hey, you have enough bad news. Here's some good news. Come on, somebody. He says, Here, here's some good, not fake news. I'm about, I'm about to get on that for a second. I'm going to step back into my notes. It's good news. He said, here's good news. And it's the story of Jesus Christ. And Paul, he talks about in chapters 1, 2, and 3, he talks about the grace of God. He, talk, he talks about the, the mercy of God. He talks about the, the mystery of God. He talks about God's forgiveness. And he talks about that whenever we are in Christ, then we have an inheritance because of Christ. And, and then Paul goes on in these first three chapters and he talks about our identity in Christ and, and who we are in Christ. And, and let me just tell you, that, that's got to be the foundation of our walk with God. Our identity in Christ. Who we are in Christ. Because watch this. 
Before we ever get around to teaching people about how they should behave, we must first teach them who they are in Jesus. Come on, help me out for a second. So before we start telling about you need to behave this way and this way and that way, do this, don't do that, Paul says what matters most is your identity in Christ Jesus, that you are in Christ. And so these first three chapters, Paul is just telling the gospel story, and then he connects these two uh, parts, chapters 1, 2, and 3, and then the second half, chapters 4, 5, and 6, with one word. It's a transitional word. It's a strategic word, and it's the word therefore. On the count of three, say that word with me, one, two, three. And here's what he's saying. He says, hey, I've told you about the grace of God. I've told you about the mercy of God. I've told you about the mystery of God. I've told you about the forgiveness of God. I've told you about your inheritance in Christ. I've told you about your identity. And if you choose to accept it, therefore, and then the second half, he says, the gospel changes everything. If you choose to accept the gospel, then that gospel will affect every single part of your life. He says, once we say yes to Jesus, once we say yes to the word of God, everything changes. And so we've looked at chapters one, two, and three. Today we get to look at chapter four. And let me, let me tell you this about chapter four before we jump into it. Uh, when we get to chapter four, there, there is an unapologetic shift in Paul's writing. I mean, unapologetically with some boldness, Paul, Paul lays out some things. As a matter of fact, there are 32 verses in Ephesians chapter 4. Time would not permit for me to walk through all 32 of those verses, obviously. Of the 32 verses, though, catch this. Over 20 times, Paul talks about the behavior of a Christian. Over 20 times, Paul says, hey, in the first three chapters, I've been really kind to you to tell you about God's grace and mercy. But now, if you are walking in Christ, there is a way that you should behave. And so what I want to do today is I want to sit on a few verses that have created uh, much conviction in my own personal life with some things that God is speaking to me that I, that I, need, to, that I need to pay attention to a little bit more carefully. Now, I don't, want, I don't want to, you know, kind of drag this out. I want to jump right into Ephesians chapter 4. But before I do that, I want to show you two powerful statements made by Jesus himself because these two statements paired with what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, I think will help equip you with a better understanding of what our responsibility is to follow Jesus with all of our heart. Everybody ready? John chapter number 14, one verse, uh, Jesus says this. He says, look, if you love me, if you, if you really love me, you will keep my commands. Like if you genuinely, truly love me, he says, then you will obey me. Now, two truths jump out to me about this one particular verse. Number one is this verse does not apply to your marriage. Come on now, help me out. Because I've tried this. I've told Kimberly, if you love me, you will obey me. And that just hasn't worked out. So this only works if Jesus says it, and I ain't Jesus. But the second truth that comes out about this particular verse, and I want you to see this, is, and I want you to notice, it does not say, if you love Jesus, Jesus will love you. And that's important. It's really foundational to your Christian walk. It says if you love Jesus, then you will keep his commands, that you will obey him. It doesn't say if you love Jesus, then Jesus will love you back. Why doesn't it say that? Because God loves you unconditionally. Even when, watch this, even when you are disobedient, God still loves you. 
Now, are there consequences for our disobedience and rebellion? Absolutely. But nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's a great place to give Jesus some praise right there. He says, if you love me, then you will keep my commands. Watch what he says in, in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 12, one verse, verse number 30. And if you grew up in church, uh, you went to vacation Bible school, you went to Sunday school, you've heard preachers preach, many, many Christians can quote you know, this particular verse of scripture by heart and memorization, but it says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your, somebody shout heart, heart. with all of your what? Soul. With all of your what? Mind. And with all of your what? Strength. With all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so what John 14, 15 is saying what Mark 12, 30 is saying, and what you're about to see in Ephesians chapter 4 that Paul said brings us to this thought. And I want you to write this thought down because it's foundational to our whole conversation. If you miss this, I feel like you're going to kind of have to navigate very carefully to get back into the conversation. So I want you to write this thought down. Again, what Jesus said in John 14 and Mark 12 and what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 leads us to this thought. And the thought is this, we cannot have what we want and keep what we've got. Now think about this. If you love the Lord, you really love him, then you are called to obey him. And if you love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and what you'll see in Ephesians 4, it leads us to this understanding that, that we cannot have what we want and keep what we've got. And here's what I mean by that. There are a lot of people, and some of, some of them are in this room, and some are at Go Church, and some might be watching online, and some may have made a decision not to go to church at all today, that say, I want to love Jesus. I want to be in a relationship with Jesus. I want Jesus to be the center of my life, or I want Jesus to be, to be the center of my home, or my marriage, or in my parenting. I want, I want, I want I want to put Christ first, but I need to hold on to some of the addictions that I already have. Like, I, I want him to be everything, but I can't let go of these toxic relationships. I know that they're unhealthy, but, but I can't get rid of those. Now, I want Jesus, but I got to hold on to these secret sins. And let me just tell you that secret sin is still sin. Amen. It's because nobody knows about it. It's still sin because God sees God sees the secret sin. And again, these verses are absolutely critical to what Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 4. Let me summarize this. If you love me, Jesus says, you will obey me. And in order to obey me, you must put me first. And you cannot have what you want and hang on to what you've got. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul starts it off like this. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord. And if you've been with us throughout this series, or maybe you've read the book of Ephesians in your own uh, personal study time, you, you've come across the repetitiveness of Paul's disclaimer about his identity. Now, keep in mind, he was in a Roman jail, chained to a Roman guard, you know, and by all means, he could have justifiably said, Therefore, I, Paul, a prisoner of Rome, but he doesn't do that. He says, he says and although physically, I might be in this Roman jail. In reality, I'm imprisoned in Christ. Let, let me tell you what that means for you and I. Our circumstances and surroundings does not change who we are. And it doesn't change whose we are. And it is the prayer of my heart that people know me as a prisoner of the Lord. 
And Paul says over and over and over again, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. And I think we ought to take note of that because here we are thousands of years later preaching the truth of the word of God because of his commitment that no matter what he faced, he was going to keep his identity in Jesus Christ. That no matter what he was up against, no matter the battles that he faced, that his identity would always be in Jesus. And that, that's the prayer of my heart. I want people to know that I have committed my life to Jesus Christ. Not, not just by how I talk, but how I walk. I want people to know through my testimony that I once was lost, but thanks be to God, now I'm found. Come on, somebody help me preach a little bit better right there. I want people to know, I used to be a prisoner of this world, but God set me free, delivered me. He made me a new creation, and now I'm no longer a prisoner of this world, but I am a prisoner of the Lord. And watch this. Therefore, my whole story has been reshaped. And Paul says, I, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. And he goes on, and this is what he says. He says, so I implore you. I beg of you. I plead with you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. I, I, I'll be very honest with you. I, I don't know if... I could go any other direction than what verse number one introduces to us. Remember a few weeks ago in chapter two, Paul identified that this spiritual journey, that this Christian life, uh, that it is a walk. It's a walk. We're on this walk. And each, each step that we take is important to determine the outcome of this journey that we're on. And now in chapter four, what Paul says is, Paul says the way that you walk needs to line up with your calling. This is significant to me. And I, I pray that I'm able to express it in the way in which the Lord, you know, touched my heart with this, with this understanding. And, and I'll start by saying this. I don't think that most Christians truly realize just how big the calling is that God has placed on their life. I, I don't think that most Christians really, really understand the magnitude of the call but the magnitude of the anointing, the magnitude of the purpose and the destiny and the identity that God has placed on your life. And here's why. Because if you recognize just how big that call really is, I think you would be more careful not only how you walked, but who you walked with. I think if we comprehended that, wait a minute, I, I, I am not a mistake. That God in his sovereignty, while I was in my mother's womb, he knit me together, he formed me, to, he fashioned me together, and he gave me gifts, talents, and abilities, and he gave me life for such a time as this. There's a purpose for my life, and if we understood the magnitude of that purpose, I think we would be so careful with not only how we walk, but who we hung out with on that walk. Come on, help me out for a minute. You know how I know that we don't really fully comprehend how big the walk is? Because of this. Watch this. Because we make our biggest mistakes whenever we lose sight of that calling. We make, we make some of the dumbest decisions when we forget that we are anointed by God. 
that we are called by God, that we are on assignment with God. Whenever the enemy clouds our understanding of our calling, that's when you and I, we start to make, and I hope you don't get offended by this word. My wife does not like this word, but we make some stupid decisions. Stupid, stupid is a, a bad word in my house. I'm probably going to have to pay some money to get out of that one. But we make some dumb decisions, don't we? Whenever we forget that we are in Christ and God has created us on purpose and for purpose. Whenever we lose sight of that destiny and that calling and that anointing, we start to do some really, really dumb things. All all of the mistakes that I make, and I've made a lot and I make a lot, but all of them happen whenever I lose sight of my calling. Whenever I lose sight of the purpose that God has placed inside of me. You want to know how big your calling is? Is this good today? Everybody good so far? I I want you to see just how big your calling is. And I want you to know that you are called. How do you know that, Pastor JC? Because you're alive today. Because God woke you up this morning. He put breath in your lungs. There's blood flowing in your veins. That means that you've got purpose and you've got a call. And this is how big that call is. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 verse. It's verse 20. Therefore, there it is again. Because of God and his sovereignty and his grace and his mercy. Therefore, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal everlasting life. We, we, that's a plural pronoun right there. It's us. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled with God. Be right with God. Did you catch that? This is, this is all inspiring to me that God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, that created the whole world in just six days, that from his mouth spoke, let there be light. And the light switch turned on. The God of this universe that tells the sun when to shine and commands the earth to rotate on its axis. That God, that God is going to get to other people through you and through me? Wow. That just blows my mind. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, I'm not a preacher. Well, yes, you are. Now, now your preaching may not look like my preaching, and how I preach may be different than how you preach, but your life is preaching at your workplace. Your life is preaching in the neighborhood that you live in. Your, your life is preaching everywhere that you go. Your life is a sermon, and for most people, you will be the only Jesus they ever see. We are ambassadors for Christ, and God is making his appeal through us and here's what's so sad so many christians don't recognize the magnitude of the call that's on their life yet the enemy does it 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 bothers me and burden me burdens me to know that the enemy recognize how much power you possess and you don't even recognize how much power you possess 
It troubles me to know that the enemy sees the anointing and the call and the purpose that is on your life, but yet you can't see it. Let me tell you how I know the enemy knows that your calling is big because you keep going through one spiritual attack after another. Hey, when it rains, it well, it happens in your house too. The Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that is his job, man. Church, listen to me. The enemy wants to steal your calling. He wants to kill your calling. He wants to destroy your calling. But I've come to encourage somebody that we've got one responsibility. And that responsibility is to walk in a manner worthy of your call. Come on, somebody say amen right there. That we are just to simply walk in a manner that is worthy of the call. And I love this because Paul, again in chapters 1, 2, and 3, God is gracious, God is merciful, God is loving, the mystery of God, our identity in Christ, our inheritance in Christ. And then you get to chapter 4 and Paul says, I'm telling you that you need to walk in a manner worthy of your call. And he says there's two primary ways that you have to do it. Number one is grow up. And number two is give up. Now, now this is an abrupt shift from his writing because he's been such an encouragement. And now all of a sudden, Paul says, hey, if you are in Christ, it's time for you to grow up. Ouch. Who are you to tell me to grow up? Well, that's the first indicator that I'm immature. <laughs> tell me what to do I live my own life I sound like some of your teenagers now don't you <laughs> grow up here's how he says it watch this in verse, in verse number 14 of Ephesians chapter 4 then we will no longer be immature like little children why because immature children are the ones that always throw temper tantrums uh, you, you, ever, you ever been to Walmart I know you have one time, Kimberly, remember that time I tried to boycott Walmart? And I told the manager, because there are, there are 14 million lines and only two employees that work those 14 million lines, and they force you to go through the self-checkout center that hardly ever can understand the barcode process. Now I'm, feel, I'm in the flesh right now. So I called for a manager, and I said, this is what I said. I said, I will never come back to Walmart. And you know what he said? <laughs> yeah, right. He, he was right. But you ever been to Walmart and you heard the little kid on the toy aisle throwing a temper tantrum? Why? Because he or she did not get what they wanted. They're immature. Watch this. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of doctrine or new teaching. And let me tell you, there's a lot of crazy stuff that's out there. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Watch verse 15. Instead... We will speak the truth in love and what? Look at your neighbor and tell him, grow up. No, don't do that. Don't do that. that that's not smart. That's not wise. <laughs> we will speak the truth in love and grow up in every way more and more like Christ. Not, not more and more like this world. Not more and more like your favorite actress or actor or athlete. Not, not more and more like your favorite idol or whoever or whatever it might be. More like 
Christ. You know what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians chapter 4? He's talking about spiritual maturity. He's talking about growing in our faith. And let me tell you, there's only one way that, that you can gain or achieve spiritual maturity. And that is to be more like Christ. And the only way to be more like Christ is to practice daily the spiritual disciplines. Study, prayer, meditation, solitude, simplicity, worship, giving, serving, and the list goes on. If you want to be more like Christ, you have to practice the spiritual disciplines. And watch this. This is, this is what Paul is saying. Paul, Paul is showing us here. He says, when a person gets saved, when they ask Jesus to be the Lord of their life, they repent of their sin, they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's called salvation. Any, any, any saved people in the room today? Come on, where are you at? Go church. Anybody saved there? Yeah. Now Paul says once you get saved, now you begin the process of sanctification. That you begin this process of spiritual growth. And you need to hear me because this process of becoming a mature believer in Christ will always require a radical reordering of your priorities. You, you cannot get what you want and keep what you got. When you say yes to Jesus, then all of a sudden this process of growing in Christ is an intentional transformation. And it is a moving away from pleasing yourself and moving towards pleasing God. Okay, let, let, enough of me talking. Let me show you the Bible. Paul wrote to the people of Galatia. That's another letter. It's in the book of Galatians, and this is what he says. He says, I say this to you, let the Holy Spirit lead you in each step. Then you will not please your sinful old selves. He says, the, the things of our old selves want, want to do the, the things that our old selves want to do, they are against what the Holy Spirit wants. The Holy Spirit does not agree with what our sinful old selves want. These two are against each other. And then watch these eight words. You cannot do what you want to do. You cannot do what you want to do. I can't tell you how many times I've heard Christians pout and complain and throw temper tantrums because they want to do something that they cannot do. Let me tell you what, what spiritual immaturity consists of. It consists of pride, self-centeredness, jealousy, conflict, and even bitterness is there. And I just want to tell you, it's my job as your pastor or my job as your spiritual tour guide to help you grow up in Christ and, and the best way that I can help you grow up in Christ starts with this statement. Listen to me. You cannot do what you want to do and call yourself a Christian. It does not work that way. If you love me, Jesus said, you will obey me. If you give me your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. And if you come into relationship with him, then guess what? You don't get to do the things that you think you want to do. And this is, a, this is a journey because at some point we have to examine ourselves. And we have to gauge, am I growing up in Christ? I'll be careful here, but, but you, may, you may know some people, you might even be that person. That there is no spiritual growth in the last year or more. 
And when we are growing up in Christ, it's a daily process, by the way. When we are growing up in Christ, the person we are today is not the same person we were six, nine, 12 months ago. We are a new person in Jesus. Let me, you're going to have to go through these fast because I don't have time to preach each one. Here's some questions to ask to gauge your spiritual maturity. You ready? Watch this. Are you motivated to seek God without prompting? Uh, somebody told it to me like this one time. If you get up before the sun comes up, God will meet you there. Amen. Are you hungry for the word? Are you desperate to get in the presence of God? Watch this. Are you more concerned with your inside or with your outside? The Bible says that, that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the... Yeah, it's amazing how many people will go to a gym and work on their outside, but they don't pick up this Bible to work on the inside. I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't be physically healthy, but what I am saying is you need to be both physically and spiritually healthy. Come on, church. Watch this. Are you led by the Holy Spirit or do you have control issues? Well, you sing Jesus take the will, but you don't give him the will. As a matter of fact, the louder you sing Jesus take the will, the tighter the grip on the will becomes. Watch this. Do you, do you live in peace or do you stress out and worry? Well, hey, I, I'm, I'm, it, it, again, it amazes me. I, I, I'm a believer, man. I'm a Christian. I serve God. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't get it. God, why are you picking on me? God, can't you pick on somebody else? You ever thought that before? I thought there are over three billion people in this world. God, pick on somebody else. And maybe God is saying, look, I just want you to grow up. And the best way to grow up is to go through some things. So, so do you have peace in the midst of the storm? Or do you stress out and worry? Watch this. Do you have a burden for the people around you? When's the last time you prayed for your neighbor? The last time you prayed for your coworker? You've complained about them. How do you know? Because we've seen it on Facebook. I, I see a lot more. I see, I'm a, hold on now. If this stage was three feet longer, we'd be in business. I'm telling you. Watch this. I, I've seen a lot of complaining about people on Facebook. I see very little. Would you pray for my neighbor? Would you pray for my boss? Would you pray for my son's teacher? Would you pray for my daughter's preschool teacher? What? Do you have a burden for the people around you? How about this? Are you using your spiritual gifts to advance the local church? Or do you just come and spectate when God is calling you to participate? Don't, hey, don't tell me that you are a mature believer in Christ and we have to beg for volunteers to move the kingdom of God forward. When God has given you gifts, talents, and abilities to perpetuate the vision to move forward and you just come and attend church, that's not what church is supposed to be about. I'll keep moving along. How about this one? Can you turn your Christianity on and off? Hey, family. We're going to church Sunday. Come on, turn it on. It's amazing how, how many people, when they walk into church, they look like they got it all together, don't they? It's amazing how, how people will even begin to talk Christianese to make them seem more spiritual than what they really are. Let me just say this. I hope nobody gets offended. But if you ever around somebody that, that, that is uber spiritual and all they talk about is uber spiritual thing, be careful. 
You ever heard that old saying, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good? It's amazing to me how people walk in and all of a sudden they start speaking, not English, but King James dialect. How art thou, my brothereth and sistereth? I don't know, bro. I'm doing all right. (laughs) May the Lord bless thee and keep. What are you talking about, man? You turn it on and turn off. Hey, we're going to church. Lift your hands. Act like we got it together. But then on Friday, you talk to your coworkers. Hey, you should come to my first, but my church, but first, let's go get some drinks. Let's turn it on and then let's turn it off. How about this one? Can you, can you receive correction? The, 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 the Bible says and teaches us that this Bible is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it's used for rebuke and reproof. That this should challenge you and slap you across the face as much as it does encourage you and uplift you. When somebody, when somebody calls you out, how do you respond? Can you handle constructive criticism, or do your, do your arms go up in defense? Because spiritually mature Christians know that Correction is necessary if we are to grow. Somebody shout, grow up. up. And Paul says this. Paul says, you've got to grow up. And then then he keeps going. we got to hurry, man. I wish I had more time. Watch this. I appreciate that. I'm going to take my time then because you said so. Paul said, don't just grow up, but give up. Are we friends? Because that, that, that may change here in about five minutes. <laughs> he said, grow up, and then he said, give up. Look at what he said here. Verse 17 of Ephesians 4. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Verse 20. But you did not learn Christ in this way. That's not not what Christianity is about. Skip to verse 22. In reference to your former manner of life, you give up the old self. You put off the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. Two more verses. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And you, if you put off the old man, then you got to put on the new man. Come on, church which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Watch this. Paul is saying all throughout Ephesians chapter 4, you've got to grow up and then you've got to give up. You've got to stop acting like the world. He says, listen to me. That's the way that you used to live. He says what? He says, but God, but God delivered you from that dark, deep mess. And he says, you're no longer who you used to be. You're now a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have become brand new. 
let me make this point for you because I think it's important. I want to tell you, your calling, the anointing that God has placed on your life, the gifts and the talents and the abilities that you have, that calling is not a call for you to blend in. That call is a call for you to stand out. And in order for you to stand out, then you have to decide what you have to give up. Why? Because we cannot have what we want and keep what we've got. Paul says, you've got to strip yourself of that old behavior. You've got to put on the new man and put on Christ. And then let's get out in the world and represent Jesus. And I want you to, to know this, and you already do through your own story. But the enemy will do everything in his power to tempt you to walk away from that calling. He'll throw everything that he can at you to get you to walk away from the call. But if you don't hear anything else, hear this. You cannot walk away from the call of God that is on your life. However, you must give up the stuff that does not line up. This is where it gets a little heavy. You ready? Your calling is greater than any addiction than you're facing right here today. Your calling is greater than any temptation that the enemy can throw at you. Here's what I'm saying to you. Your calling is greater than pornography. Your calling is greater than that affair you're trapped in. Your calling is greater than any drug than you could use. Your calling is greater than the foul language that comes out of your mouth. Listen to me. Your calling is greater than any alcoholic beverage that you could ever drink. Uh, I want you to hear me. I'm not saying that being trapped in those addictions, I don't have time to dive into that theology, will keep you out of heaven. Okay? What I am saying to you, though, is this, is that participating in the things that this world offers does not allow you to walk in a manner worthy of the call of God that is on your life. You, you say, I, I can't do better. Wrong. Wrong. Greater is he on the inside of me than he that's in the world. Watch this. This is where I might lose a couple of friends, but if that be the case, we weren't really friends to begin with. It burdens my heart to see on social media because that such a great avenue for us to stay connected, but it burdens my heart to see people that are gifted and called and talented and anointed and should be being used by God to do great things for God. Watch this. They're sitting out with their friends drinking every single weekend. I'm not saying, hey, I'm not saying you, you will or won't get into heaven. I'm, I'm not your judge. I'm your spiritual tour guide. But what I am saying is this is that I know that life. I know that life. And I know this. I know at the end of that bottle, there's still emptiness. There's still depression. There's still pain. You will never drink away the pain that you feel. There is no drug that can fix what you're going through. And here's what I've learned, and I want you to hear this, and then you can take it for what it's worth. In all my years of ministry and pastoring and counseling, I have never, ever, not once had anybody come up to me for prayer or encouragement or counsel and them say to me, listen, my marriage was falling apart, but Budweiser fixed it all. 
Never. My, my marriage was failing, but tequila stepped in. And my life is better. I'm nev I've never heard that. You, you know what I have heard? I have heard how alcohol has torn apart families, brought dissension and disagreement and bitterness between husband and wife, father, son, mother, daughter. You, you, know, what I, you know what I've seen? I've seen alcohol destroy my family in a way that I wish I could go back and somehow fix that. My sister, when I was 19 years old, my half-sister Donna, she died from cirrhosis of the liver. She drank a bottle of vodka every single day. My, my half-brother Terry uh, was paralyzed 14 years ago because a 17-year-old drunk driver ran a red light. I'll be careful and sensitive because they may come back and watch some of this, but I've got siblings who have lost their spouse because they chose the bottle and they stepped away from their calling. And here, here's what I've heard, and because I've heard it all. I have heard it all whenever I've talked to people about you know, this one particular sin of alcohol, this destructive addiction that is so divisive. And this is what they've said. Uh, well, Jesus drank wine. Listen to me. Well, you ain't Jesus. You ain't Jesus. And the, watch this. And I've heard this. Well, uh, somebody recently told us this. Well, I only drink alcohol because it allows me to connect with the unbeliever more. It puts me on their level. You know what I call that? I call that baloney. That's nonsense. I, I, don't want, I don't want people who are lost in the world to see me to connect to their lostness. I want people who are lost in the world to see the God that lives on the inside of me that has saved me, filled me with the Holy Spirit, and set me free. I've heard it all. I've heard it all. I've heard people say, well, you won't find one verse in the Bible that says I can't drink. You ain't read your Bible. Here's one. You, you know Proverbs chapter 31. It's a book known for the virtuous woman. Uh, I prayed uh, when I got saved and gave my heart to the Lord that God would send me a Proverbs 31 woman. And I, I'm a living testimony that God hears us when we pray. Talks about a virtuous woman, but in the front half of, uh, of Proverbs 31, rather, watch, watch what it says right here. It says, it is not for kings, Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine. It is not for rulers to crave beer. Maybe you didn't know this, but when you are in Christ, you become a part of a royal family. Come on, you ought to say amen better right there than you just did. You are a part of a royal family. And I'm, I'm telling you, this is not a matter of heaven and hell. It's not. I'm just suggesting to you that maybe the calling that is on your life is worth more than you drinking every now and again. I'm just suggesting to you that maybe the calling that's on your life is worth more than those cigarettes that you smoke. Is worth more than that website you go to. Is worth more than that lady you meet at the hotel after work. Maybe the calling that is on your life is greater than all of those things. And let me tell you, I have zero power to help you get out of that, but I know the one that has all power and all authority. And I can tell you this, that if you just say yes to Jesus, that it is a process. And I get that. And addiction is real. 
I get that. When I was in high school, I sat in those classes trying to listen to someone tell me how to get out of the addiction that I was in. And the only thing that helped me was this understanding, watch, and I'm not making this up, that I'm worth more. I'm worth more. And I will not drink my potential away. I will not smoke my anointing away. No, no, no. I I decided this. I had to make a decision. Is my walk worthy or is my walk worthless? And I just determined in my heart, and I'm not saying that I'm better than you because I've got my own stuff that i got to work through, and God is helping me through all of that. But I can tell you as a living testimony that if God can deliver me, he can deliver you too. And you have to walk in a manner worthy. I told Kimberly, I said, this is going to be hard, and there are going to be some people that don't like what I'm saying, and I pray you hear my heart. And I know that there are critics in this room saying, you can't judge me. Friend, I'm not judging you. I'm not judging you. I'm telling you the truth in love. That God, watch, that God, through his power in Christ, you can grow up and you can give up some things. Jesus was uh, making this illustration one time. and you, you got a few more minutes. Are we okay? Okay, watch this. He was making this illustration one time in Matthew 21, and this is what he said. Now, in the morning... When, when he was returning to the city, he became hungry. Uh, some of you are more like Jesus than you realize. Y'all hungry, aren't you? Watch this. Verse 19, seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves only. And he said to it, no longer shall there ever be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered up and died. Here's the thing about fig trees. Uh, when they come into harvest, when they, when they produce leaves, they simultaneously produce fruit. So what caught them by surprise was here was a fig tree with leaves, but no fruit. And I just think that is so many Christians today. There's a lot of leaves. But there's not much fruit. And Paul says you've got to grow up. And you need to give up some of those things. And you need to walk in a manner that is worthy of the call of God that is on your life. He says you ought to be producing fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and watch this, and self-control. Self-control. And this idea that Christians have leaves and no fruit, that's not a judgmental statement. That's a statement of fact. We got people, they go to church, they own their own Bible. They even have their own Christian bumper sticker on the back of their car. And yet they wave at me with one finger. If I cut them off. And they even wear, you know, a gold necklace with a cross around, around their neck. But there is no fruit There is no fruit. You want to know how you're growing up and you've been able to give up some things is when you see your life producing fruit. And watch this. When you're walking in a manner worthy of the call, you will be producing fruit. And you will love more. You will encourage more. You will serve more. You will sacrifice more. You will forgive more. You will lead more. You will listen more. You will care more. You will pray more. You will worship more. You will die to self more. You will risk more. And that's when you know, I'm growing up. And I'm giving up what this world offers for something far greater. Walk in a manner worthy of the call. Time's up, but watch this. I wish I had time to show you this. 
But next week, you get to learn about imitate up. Because Paul keeps on talking about this responsibility and he says, therefore, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. That's chapter five and you don't want to miss it. Stand with me all around the room if you can. Go church, we're turning this over to your campus pastor, David Waldrop. He's coming to the platform along with that worship team, just like they're doing here. Pastor David, you've got the gathering from this moment on to lead those people in the way the Holy Spirit would see fit. May God bless you and go church family. I pray that today and for our South Metro family, I pray that today is a day of life change for you, a day that you recognize that we need to grow up and we need to give up some things. The team is coming and I want you all to lead us in that song of worship. We'll take just a few minutes here, but here's the response. Our prayer team is even coming now. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor JC, look, I am, I am tired of playing church games. I'm tired of playing Christian games. I'm tired of just going through the motions. I'm exhausted by having to feel like I gotta keep up with all these games that I'm playing. I am ready to grow up in my spiritual walk. Pastor JC, there are some things that I am addicted to. I'm, I'm, I'm in a stronghold with. I can't seem to break free from it. But I wanna be free. I want to experience freedom. I wanna trade in my prison cell in the world and become a prisoner for the Lord. I'm telling you, church, it can happen and it can happen now today if you choose to say yes to Jesus the beautiful thing about the church is this is that even if this is a process for you we're here you don't have to go through that journey of deliverance alone but you got a family here that believes in the power of prayer and we can walk alongside of you and watch you watch this watch you move from the life that you're living and the walk that you're living to now walking in a manner worthy of that beautiful call that is on your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus, would you help us today? Would you speak to the hearts of your people? I don't know how this message came across, but I pray that it was received with, with love and with understanding. My heart is not to condemn anyone. It's just to remind them because and maybe even introduce them to this idea because they don't know that there is a calling on their life. And the enemy wants to destroy that call. But you've given us the responsibility that even though we might be in this world, we're not of it, we're different. In the book of Titus, you call us a peculiar people. We are set apart. We're not supposed to blend in and be like everybody else. The world should look at us and see the love of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the delivering power of an almighty God. So if you're here today, nobody's looking but me and you. If you say, Pastor JC, there are some areas in my life that I need to grow up in. Would you raise your hand real quick? Come on, just raise your hand for a second. Many hands, many hands, so many hands, hands down. If you say, Pastor JC, there are some addictions in my life. There are some, I, I, I'm in some bondage, some serious bondage, but I want to give up some things. Would you raise your hand? Come on. I'm not going to have you call them so many hands. I'm not going to have you call them out loud or walk up here and hold some cardboard cutout saying this is what I'm dealing with. Jesus knows the first step is to admit it and to say, God, deliver me. Deliver me today. Let the song 
minister to you for just a moment. If you need prayer, our prayer team is here. And I'd invite you to come. And I'll pray for all of us here as we close in just one moment. Come on, lead us. I won't go back. I can't go back to the way it used to be before your presence came and changed me oh i won't go back i can't go back to the way it used to be before your presence came and changed me i won't i won't go back i can't go All my shame, come on. All, All my shame. Come on, it's so good.
30-second prayer right here. Father, I pray in the name that is above all names that you would convict our hearts in the area that we must grow up in. Let us develop and let us mature as we walk through this process, God, of maturing in you. Keep our hearts and our eyes spiritualized sensitive to the areas that we need to grow up in. May, may, we be, may we be okay with people telling us, hey, you need to be more careful in this area or that area. Because God, I, I don't want to be the same person tomorrow that I am today. Every day I want to grow up. Yes. Every day I want to be more mature in you. I know that I'll have certain days where I need extra grace required. But I also understand, God, that through your power, I can mature. Yes. I can mature. And God, right now, in the authority of the word of God, I speak against addiction. I do. I speak against addiction. God, I know that there are some people in this room, they have tried everything. They've tried a pill. They've tried a patch. They've tried counseling. They've tried prayer. And they still feel trapped in that deep, dark prison of addiction. But whom the sun set free is free indeed. I put the devil on notice to take your hands off of God's children today. And I pray that when we walk out of this room, that we walk with a new swagger in our step. Come on, with a new song in our spirit, knowing that God can set us free. Let us give up some things so that we can walk in the newness of Christ. And may we recognize this call and may we walk in a manner worthy of it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Hey, if you made a decision to follow Christ today, there's a, there's a prayer card in the seat right in front of you. Fill that out if you can. Turn it in at the next steps counter. Why don't you sing and lead us as we transition today. God bless you. And we'll see you next Sunday for chapter five, week five on the book of Ephesians. Be blessed.